Well, hello. Bernadette Winters Bell here, host of the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. And I have for me a very special guest today, Spencer Sherry, someone I've known since he's been in this world and actually a little before. And he is now in the process. He wrote and is going to make a film that was originally a short story written by Stephen King with Stephen King's permission. This is so exciting. And something that you would think could never happen. And he has a little bit of the same view that I have of life. Just try, just see what happens. And if you fail, okay, don't do that again or do it different. Spencer Sherry, a special guest on the podcast from Heartache to Healing and Hope. See you soon. Spencer Sherry, welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. And interesting that we're doing this after knowing each other for so long, but there's so much about you that I don't know. So since I'm going to take a really educated guess and say, you know yourself better than I do, I'd like you to introduce yourself to my audience. Who are you? My name is Spencer Sherry. I grew up in the same town Bernadette did, or at least where you live now in Lawrence, New York. And uh, I am a filmmaker right now, and I'm working on my debut directorial effort that is a Stephen King movie that I got permission from Stephen King to do. Um, so other than that, I live up in the Saratoga area and uh, I do landscaping design and, and uh, natural stone masonry uh, for real money when I'm not doing the films and art. Um, so yeah, that's kind of me right now in a nutshell. That's terrific. Well, let's go to the, the first big thing. You're doing something that Stephen King wrote? Do tell. <laughs> yes. So Stephen King has been doing a program for a couple decades now where he lets young filmmakers and students uh, take swings at his short stories. And so I wanted to do this program that he does. They're called Dollar Babies because back in the day when there were VHS tapes that you sent to him to show him what you did, he would keep them on a shelf and call them his little dollar babies because you have to pay a dollar for the rights. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to do one of those. Um, and then I read this story over COVID actually, the beginning of the, the pandemic that I loved called The Monkey. It's my hat right there. And, um, and so I, I wrote the script and got excited about it. And then when I went to apply for the program, I was quickly told that, uh, that that story was not on the list of approved stories. So I, it was, you know, dead in the water. So I waited about a year and then emailed his agent to try to see if there was any way that I could do it. Um, even, even, you know, being barred from that particular program. Uh, originally I was told no. And then I just kept saying, please, until finally they said, yeah, fine, fine. Now, are these stories that he's published? Oh, yeah. Yep. So this one was published in Skeleton Crew, uh, which is a short story collection from 1984. So the wow. story's, you know, almost uh, 40 years old. Yeah. It doesn't seem possible, but of course you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, that's why I had to think about it for a second. <laughs> okay. So you get the rights to do it. And do you have the rights to rewrite it? Or what do you actually get the rights to do? So it's real loose. So, um, so yeah, so the, the adaptation that I'm doing, my screenplay is actually a little bit more of a sequel than it is a true adaptation of the story. The original story is about a father and his two sons. 
and his mm-hmm. two sons find this cursed symbol clapping monkey in their attic. And then the father freaks out because he remembers when he was a kid, uh, he found the same thing in his attic. And every time it clapped its symbol, somebody would die. Oh. So I was just about to clap, but I'm glad I listened more. Yeah, don't, yeah, no, please, please. Hold on. Um, no <laughs> understand the whole context. Um, so no, so the original story is, is great. It's, it's perfect drama and, you know, a little bit of that, tension and not really horror but this is one of his more suspenseful stories which is something that i like about it i'm not i'm not too big into the insane horror gory bloody i like suspense and i like tension um i'm so yeah so the original story bounces back and forth between when the father was a kid and now the sons are children so my adaptation shifts everything up one generation so i have imagined where these characters would be in 25, 30 years. And then I flash back to the present in the original story to, in the same device to tell the story through flashbacks. Love it. Love it. Wonderful. So um, you, I know you love writing and, Mm -hmm. and so you write this sequel um, and then what's your intention to do with it? Well, it's getting made. I hope my Indiegogo crowdfunding. So that's part of the contract is that it's non-commercial, which means I can't make any money off of it. Um, This all has to be out of my own pocket or crowdfunding um, because I can't sell tickets. I can't distribute. I can't sell DVDs. So this is just for artistic expression. It's an amazing resume builder if it comes out good and the potential, you know, allegedly Stephen King watches all of them because you contractually have to send him a hard copy. Um, so the hope with this is to shoot this in May in the capital region. And then from there, edit it, submit it to film festivals and hopefully it gets enough attention and, or Stephen King likes it enough that perhaps I can negotiate a deal to take a real swing at the story. What a wonderful program. I just love this. And yeah, it's really generous. Yeah. Absolutely. And he, he's in the contract that you don't make money, um, which is just saying, just do this for the experience and, you know, uh, get your chops in. in other yeah, words, and the cloud. And so you get to attach your name to, right. you, know, you know, one of the most famous authors, you know, right now or, you know, ever that, for that matter. Um, and then you so have the real... pressure off of you that you don't have to make any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that was big pressure. <laughs> um, so did you ever see yourself doing films? Um, when I was younger, I really loved it, especially getting into high school. We, I mean, me and my friends got really into it, watched all sorts of movies with constant. I had a DVD collection. You know, we just go online and look for movies with fun twists or just mm. um, we would we would try anything. We really liked movies that were super suspenseful and twisty. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was but it wasn't until I was, I think, 21 uh, that I decided that, like, OK, I think I can I think this is the path I want to go down. This is what I want to do. I was doing music for a little bit and that didn't take. And then I did criminal justice for a little bit and that didn't take. Um, so then when I ended up moving back up to Albany when I was 20. 21. Um, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go to school at UAlbany, use some of their film equipment. They didn't have a film program, really. They had a couple classes and a department, but no real program. So I uh, 
So I just was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get for the experience and connections and maybe use of their equipment, do my own stuff. And then I met an assistant director who came back to the school after 30 years that he attended to give a speech and a Q&A and a screening. And so I met him afterwards and went up to him and was like, I, I want to do what you do. You know, how can I get an opportunity? So then he was generous enough to give me his email and we chatted back and forth. And then he offered me my first job in the industry in New York City. So I dropped, dropped out of college for the second time to run down to New York City and work on a film with Lucy Liu. With Lucy Liu. And can you say who this person was that you were talking with? At- yeah, his name is his name is Glenn Trotner. He's a he's a producer slash assistant director um, that, as far as I know, still lives in New York City. Um, mm. He's done, I mean, everything. He's been he's been working. He, I think he worked on uh, Big Daddy and Independence Day, and so he's been in the industry for quite a while. Wow! Oh, The Untouchables, I think, was his first film that he got to work on. Wow! As a filmmaker, yeah. Amazing, because it's not that. Oh, you may feel this way, but it's not that you're so old to say, well, I finally figured out what I want to be when I grow up. You know, this is yeah. what you're now. That's terrific. Wonderful. Yeah, sure. And I know you have at least one family member, brother down in the city, trying to work in the same field, not films, but more plays. Oh, he's act. Yeah, he's trying to do it. He just shot a commercial. My brother, Derek, is an actor in New York. He yeah. just shot a commercial. He's trying to get, he's more theater oriented. Yeah. Kyle, my other brother, is also trying to find work in the industry, so. We're all, we all dip our toes in. The last time I was down in the city, I went actually to go see uh, Tony Bennett's uh, One Last Show with Lady Gaga. Yes, I think I saw that. It was, yeah, it was on my bucket list and I just decided to do it. And um, your brother, Derek and I almost were able to, it didn't work, uh, to meet up. Uh, He was someplace, I went there, then he was where I was anyway, it didn't. It'll, it'll come to be. That's so exciting. What has it shown you or taught you that you didn't expect or that was a surprise? Uh, Well, I'm right now, I'm again, I'm in the stages of doing the crowdfunding and marketing. And so coming up with new ideas to get people excited and interested, like social media is a double-edged sword in that way, where it really can open a lot of doors. You can in theory, access anyone at any time. You can right. hail Mary as many emails or Instagrams as you want, which I have been doing. Um, but to be fair, that's how I got this. You know, I, I went online, paid for a subscription to IMDb Pro, which mm-hmm. is the movie database, and found out Stephen King's agents. Uh, actually, I found out his name and where he worked, and then I called and found out his office number, and then I left a message and then emailed and said, like, you know, it's all, it's all Hail Marys, which is right. wonderful. Um, but at the same time, people are very short attention spans and very, meh, like, you know, kind of a, a lot of shrugs, a lot right. of, you know, if it's not crazy, exciting and gripping in the first 10 seconds, then don't bother watching. And so it's, it's tough. It's tough to get people interested in engaging. And so, especially on such a platform that it's you know our tendency is to just scroll if we're not immediately entertained there will always be something else that's new so um i'm navigating that i'm learning how to capture people's attention and interest um in different ways couple a couple things that work very well a couple things not so much and then we pivot and try a new strategy 
You know, it's so interesting that you're talking about that and that we would have a similar uh, direction and interest right now. Um, so, you know, social media um, has been something I've been delving into and I don't do it successfully, I might say, uh, but my producer Beatrice does. So. <laughs> and how to get more people interested in the podcast and get it out there. And the double-edged sword, absolutely. You know, one day Beatrice said to me that the podcast is trending. And I went, that's great. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> and I found out that we were trending in Norway. Okay, me and the Vikings. Exactly. Okay. Then what seemed to be a short time later, she said to me, oh, now we're trending also in South Africa. Okay, wait. <laughs> now is, I don't know, as of a week or two ago, I'm trending in Norway, South Africa, the Philippines, and Thailand. <laughs> Interesting. Exactly. So how this happens, why this happens, really, I have no idea. So for me, it's all like a miracle, like Santa Claus, you know, sure. it, just, it just happens. Um, but isn't it wonderful that both of us are like, we can get this out there if we can just figure out how to get through this maze. Uh, sure. Well, what I need is a Beatrice, because the more distance I can have from the technical and and marketing side of it i would like it's so it's so much you have to engage so much now with people to get you know consistent viewership and you know and right. engagement and so it's it's tough i just feel you know there was a, a very long break that i took before starting this um starting this film and this promotion where i just wasn't on social media very much at all for mm -hmm. most of this spring and summer i was off of it and it was great and now getting back on i'm like well i'm just gonna do the film instagram and facebook and i'm just going to run there but I'm like it consumes so much time absolutely that, you know and it's tough i'm i'm excited for when the crowdfunding is over which is in three days four days friday is the last day of the campaign and we've already we've raised twenty two thousand um, dollars and what was the goal 35 the goal is 35 um 22 is that'll that'll do it uh it'll be it'll be tight uh Right. The, the hope was to have enough um, to really have some nice buffers to increase production value and to minimize the conversations I have with people that are crew or helping that are just uncomfortable in me asking people to take lower rates and less money. There's the support system up by me in the capital region is amazing. And everyone just wants to make things and help each other. Um, wow. The more fair rates I can pay people, the better. Um, but right now I, I'm, I feel Pretty good about 22, and hopefully we get some more by the end of the week. That's terrific. All right, so you need some more support to be able to do this in a really fine way. Um, and I need an agent, so let's put it out there to the universe. And <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I know. I can't even I, – I laugh when I say to people um, – I'll have my producer be in touch with you. And then I always laugh and go, yeah, I have a producer. I can't believe that. But, I, you know, because it's yeah. not the world I was ever in before. You know, sure. right? But it's but it's. it's so for me, I've always you know ever just worked on films and very small roles, or so now it's now I have, I mean technically I have about a dozen producers, um, because of you know the money that gets donated, part of the the perks in the campaign, you donate a certain amount, you get the producer credit, um, 
in the finished movie. Um, but I have two or two or three that are really active in, you know, they want to participate and help and, and help actually quote unquote produce the work. Wow. That, that is like unbelievable. That yeah, it's weird. Right. You're going to have to do meetings and, you know, have people over for dinner and wine and dine them. And, you know, oh, I mean, on that, <laughs> that part's easy. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. So, and the other part of your life when you're landscaping, which supports this, and I understand that because I'm a full-time therapist with a screaming busy biz- business, which supports it. Um, and that takes place in the spring and summer, mostly. Yeah, it's really it's really most of the year. It's from about March when the ground thaws out a little bit, depending mm-hmm. on what we're doing too. We don't necessarily have to wait for that uh, to about November. Um, so yeah, so that that <coughs> that's one of the things that enables it. You know, I work for my best friend um, from high school. So mm-hmm. it's his business, and it's just the two of us. So there's a lot of flexibility there. My wonderful girlfriend Lauren also is a huge support for me because she picks up a lot of the financial slack when you know work slow. Um, wonderful. So, yeah, but it, with I have a very very broad wonderful support system that is right now enabling this to happen. So you know it's amazing until you get into something like this and other things in life. But if you don't have the support system, you got ugats. Yeah, exactly. You won't be able to do it. Yeah. Right. So what does Lauren think of all this? Lauren loves it. Lauren is helping with the uh, marketing and the advertising and the engagement. I mean, she's you know constantly helping come up with ideas. She loves, you know, you know, watching, watching me do my shtick and my thing and, you know, help put up posters or, or whatever. So she's, I think she's having a blast. And so she is also, um, she's been working in HR for over a decade and she's gotten into coaching, communications coaching and, and, and career coaching. So she um, she just got her certification. So she's going to be um, coaching the crew, actually, for the film. She's going to be doing two or three interviews with people just to kind of help focus and intention. And what do you, you know, what do you want to get out of this film? And so right. it's just kind of like, you know, um, kind of boost morale a little bit and try to get a little bit more focused engagement out of people. So I, she's excited to try that out. I love that. So that takes her interest and she expands it a bit. Um, and then she'll work with you on that, but not doing your, just your dream, your desire, but. Yeah, sure. It's a totally different context in an industry to bring that kind of work to, which she's really excited about. And I am too, because after working in film for, you know, five years now, that's mm-hmm. something that I can, say firsthand that the industry would benefit from having people like her and what she does to try to refocus people. A lot of people, I mean, I know that it sounds um, silly, but a lot of people that work in film don't care about the films at all. They're just there because they're either electric or they're grip or they drive or, you know, so they're just like, this is a job. It's just a different industry. Um, So I, I, I really think I'm excited to see how this all comes together because I think that that kind of engagement with people and kind of like tapping into the, the why of why people are, are working on something would be incredibly beneficial when, on, when you're on a set too, it's, you know, you know, when people are there to just work and you know, when 
people are there because they love it and they love the project right. and they're passionate. You can feel it when yes. you walk in the set. You can feel it when somebody, when a, a cast member is just awful to work with or a bad attitude. Right, right. I worked on, without blowing up anybody's spot, I worked on a show um, for Netflix in 2017. We had two kind of younger A-list members and whenever the uh, whenever one of them was there, everyone was just on edge, and the whole day would be mm. just not not smooth, and the energy would be low. You know, when they were together, it would be okay, but when it was the other one and just the other one, everyone would feel great, and the days would go smoothly, and you know, everyone would be having a good time, and it felt more like we're making movies, we're making a film, this is fun. But really, it's it's I would love to. I can't wait to see what she brings to the table um, on something like this. And we'd love to see more of it in the industry in general. No question. Also, you know, um, having been in the hospice field for over 30 years, I say to people sometimes, you know, I've been in lovely, lovely homes, well-appointed, but the energy there is difficult sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I've been in homes that have dirt floors and there's love there. It's, right. So it doesn't have to do with the surroundings necessarily, but like you're saying, what, what does someone bring to it? And even just asking someone, um, what is it you'd like to get from this? Or what would you like to bring to it? What would you like to give? Um, sets them in a different place, not just their perspective. This, plug this in. And, yeah. you know, interestingly, I heard that um, one of the things that Oprah does with a guest um, is to ask what they want to get out of the interview she's about to have with them or what message they want to get across. And obviously, if it's appropriate, then she makes sure that that happens. Sure. It's exactly the same thing. W yeah. What is your intention here? You know? Right. Yeah, it's intention. It's intention and shifting the perspective to, listen, rather than this just be another stop on the press tour or another job right. or another gig, it's like, you know, you can use everything as an opportunity to take something from it and help your growth and help your goals. And so it's I'm I'm thrilled that she wants to do it. I'm thrilled that she's being as helpful as she is, even if we butt heads sometimes. We're both still trying to figure out uh, how to how to work with each other. Well, being together and working together, well, yeah. <laughs> having been with my husband's We've business. almost got it. We're really close. Oh, yes. Yeah. Have you found any tricks or uh, secrets there? It's mostly just take steps back, think about the broader picture, really being careful with communication. It's all communication. It's really yeah. be careful with the communication and the intention and how you're coming across and your, you know, and your fact-based fact and strategy-based and not letting emotions get in the way or not bringing other things in that are irrelevant and just and to something that I've been trying to do lately is stopping to acknowledge and recognize what you are doing is just trying to help me and you love me and you're all your only motivation right now is to make this better for me and so that's not, sometimes not just to give you a hard time <laughs> right yeah yeah right, right. no and it's you know it's sometimes Sometimes devil's advocate is, is a good way to go. And sometimes, you know, just trying to, to push against things. If, you know, you think that someone isn't really giving it their all or thinking it all the way through. Um, but yeah, sometimes I can get wrapped up in 
just being like, why are you, you know, why are you saying no? Why are you, you know, why are you pushing back? Like just do, you know, do the thing. And, um, and then you just kind of, that, that, that builds and that snowballs to just emotion that isn't helpful or productive. So something that I've been doing lately is taking a breath and going, okay, your intention right now is just to help me. And I'm going to reframe how I'm perceiving you with that. Terrific. And as soon as you take that breath or two or three, okay. Um, it actually, you now know, as you're doing it, that it works, but it does reset the brain. Yep. Okay. So the strategy I call it is stopping the interaction, whatever it is you're doing and go in another direction. And when you say, What happens is the amygdala, this thing in the back of the head, this isn't a medical explanation. It's a Bernadette explanation, but it's a small thing that I imagine lights up. Um, and it does get activated by emotion and fear and anger, things like that. And when that happens, the cortex, the thinking part of our brain goes into lockdown. So anytime you've done something or someone else has, and then later you say, what the hell were you thinking? Well, you weren't. Literally, your brain wasn't. So the amygdala was running the show and the cortex got down, got uh, on lockdown. But when you take a breath or other strategies, but that's the simplest one, this cage comes up, this can not be activated. And then you can make a decision and look like, oh yeah, he's just trying to help me. I'm being a jerk by saying this. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, when my husband and I, who of course you know, you were named after him, um, <laughs> had a, a business together, uh, and it was his business first, but then I was running it. The thing that worked for us was division of areas. So if it was a question about on the job performance or way it was going to be held, he always got more leeway than I did, because that was his area of expertise. If it was running the office or paying the bills or ordering, he took a step back and I got to go. You both had input, but there were areas like, and for you and Lauren, it's the same thing. If she's interviewing someone or helping them to see, you know, she's got this level and you're here and just watching maybe almost. Yeah. that. And you know what's funny about it? At first, for me anyway, it was um, like giving up control, which Mm -hmm. most of us aren't so good with. Um, But then when I accepted it, it was so freeing. It was like, he can be in charge of what boiler goes in or whatever. Like, Like, not my thing, you know? And I didn't feel like I had to be in charge of everything. Uh, that was new um, and really was <laughs> very new um, and terrific, just terrific. You know, speaking of being in charge, I have a memory, which I don't know if you have or not. Um, but when you were, what, two and a couple of months when your siblings were born, mm-hmm. let's, and um, I was feeling like you were maybe getting left out a little bit. Of course, triplets was a big hoo-ha about them. Um, anyway, I offered to drive you to Albany. Do you remember this? No. And, and, okay. Oh, good. Then I'll just tell the story anyway I want. 
no, no. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and that was okay with your parents and you were fine with it. We got in the car and you told me how to get to Albany, which was fine. I just tolerated it. Yeah. When we got, because I knew we had to get to Albany, of course, but what you told me how to get off the exit, how to get to the hospital, where to park. And then you took me to where your siblings were. You oh, we went to like underground places. Oh yeah, you took me exactly where they were. Yeah, because it's like two and a half. Like I, they were born when I was two and two months. Exactly, exactly. And so in the beginning, when you said, I know where we're going or however you said it, I went, of course, of course, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Right, right. And I was going to get on I-88 and travel and go. But you kept saying to me, no, no, we have to go more. We have to go more. And then I was like, okay, he memorized I-88. Okay. It was a straight Big run. Big deal. Right. But when you took me to where they were, you took me through the hallways and everything. I was like, wow. And when I got home later, I mean, and I was praising you, which nobody else was as much interested in, I must say, the trip was <laughs> top that. But I got home and I said to my husband, to Spencer, that, you know, like, I can't believe that he was, I'm sure I didn't use the word in control, but you were able to go through that. Yeah. So anyway, for me, it's always been a lovely memory. <laughs> I still don't let people drive unless it's my way. <laughs> well, see, some things are just never changed. I know the best route. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, thank goodness I let you, I didn't let you drive, of course, but I did <laughs> let you run the show. <laughs> well, you see, so that's something like you say, working with Lauren, you're working on now. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, wow. sure. It's so, that. And we're also in a weird, you know, like this stage of what we're doing, mm-hmm. neither of us have a lot of particular expertise. And so like when she really gets into the HR mode, and doing the coaching and onboarding and helping with the hiring like that really, it really is her, you know, uh, that is her spot. That's her expertise. So as opposed to the production side, which I know, but this, this like weird promotion, money raising, you know, event plan, like, you know, neither of us are, are super familiar um, with this type of engagement with people. And so we're really like, come up with strategies and thinking about the best way to say things and talk to people. Um, so, but she, she was taught me quite a bit about how to present things to people and present options and, you know, giving people certain um, uh, uh, choices or decisions or not giving them decisions sometimes and just, you know, making sure things get done. And so we're both, uh, I, I think that we've come a long way since the beginning of this process. I love it. You know, um, in the first season of my podcast, uh, it was called Same Storm, Different Boats. And I was interviewing people how they were doing personally and professionally during the podcast. And when it came up in September to name season two, well, we're still doing this. So weathering the storm, but cultivating kindness, because there's such a void there. And people are finding it hard to be kind to themselves, to others within your community, your world. And I was so passionate about it. I got to the point where I was like, damn it, be kind, which may not be the way to put that message across. <laughs> so, and the, so the first one was about hope and this one's about kindness. And how have you kept that going personally and professionally, hope and kindness? 
Uh, I mean, from the beginning, this is kind of a long shot, you know, so I guess hope is kind of played into uh, yeah. every step of the way. Um, and not so much the manifesting of things. I'm not a, a super huge believer in, in the premise that if you just keep, if you say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. But I do believe that if you just say what you want, as loudly as you can and as often as you can to as many people as you can, then someone along the way will be able to yes. offer you that. Someone um, knows someone that knows someone. Absolutely. Right. And part of it too, I think people, people think that, especially in the art world, that the implication is, well, you know, nobody in a hundred people might care what you do or, you know, you don't, you don't need to find, the one person that goes, Oh, I love you. And I love your work. And I want to, I want to back you. Like, it's not going to be that miracle angel investor um, that, that necessarily helps you. Um, but it will be someone like Glenn Trotner, who I met, you know, at UAlbany, who didn't cost him anything to bring me on. He didn't see any of my work or anything that I'd done. He just, he met me once and then emailed me a couple of times and he just had the power and the, well, this is a nice thing to do for someone to just do it because I was persistent. And, and also he felt your energy. You, sure. you know, we both know when you meet somebody and you think, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. This, it'll be interesting. I want to know about it. Right. Sure. Maybe this is somebody I could support or help out or whatever it is. Right. Wow. Fascinating. So how do you see 2022 going for you? It's going to be the most work I've ever done in my life. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be, that was the, the first thing one of my friends said to me when, when I got this, when I got that email with the contract from Stephen King and the whole thing was, well, you just signed up to do the most work you've ever done. Um, so yes, that's what's going to be. I mean, 2022 is going to be, uh, we're, we're hopefully going to be doing a big fundraiser in the next couple months. If COVID calms down. Mm-hmm in the capital region with local artists and bands and all sorts of things to try to, you know, raise a little bit of money at the tail end of things after the campaign's over. Um, going to be shooting for about two weeks in May in the capital region. Um, and then from there, it's just, I'm, I'm sure that that I would love for it to go very smoothly and actually work, but I'm sure that there will be some bumps that we have to, um, to iron out. Um, but then it'll be editing and film festivals. And I still, uh, we just rented on top of all the other weird stuff that I do. We also do our own version of survivor on an Island every year, the TV yes. show. Yes. So we design all of the challenges and then cart everybody over to an Island in Lake George and rent the whole thing and then do games and vote each other off. And so we, I'm intending to do that this year, if at the very least, just a party on an Island. So we're organizing that. Um, and then, yeah, just just jam-pack the, and still work. So just jam-pack the year full of stuff. My, I'm, I'm working on two other films made locally, one of which is Ryan's, my friends, who I do the landscaping with. His is, I think, being shot in April. And then uh, next month, I'm actually going to be in, going to be acting in uh, a film that uh, a local filmmaker from Albany that I've met through this process. I've met so many awesome people through announcing this movie and trying to network with this community um, and that I get asked to act in things sometimes. So I'll be doing that as well. 
Thank goodness this is happening when you're young and full of energy. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's almost too much. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. And in any way, going forward, we can help promote it uh, with this podcast. Absolutely. We're in. Definitely. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Um, to follow along on Facebook or Instagram, it's at the monkey short. Um, where you can see all the updates and what we're doing and try to keep it as interesting and fun as possible. Absolutely. And we'll make sure that when this is launched, that all of that information is up there. Uh, is there a website for this? Uh, there's not an official website yet. It's just the Indiegogo page right now. Okay. That'll be, that's, but good. that's got all of the information on it. So excellent. Yeah. Well, I can't wait uh, for this to come out to, for my viewers, for them to, see how people are, how this person is taking the time from the podcast and saying, oh, I have time now to go be in touch and read this and read that. And what do I want to do? Let me try. Like you said, Hail Marys, you know, um, the worst that could happen is somebody says, no, all right, I'll ask them again, or this can't happen. So let me try something else. You know, there's just no reason not to, for the most part, it's, it's such an easy sending an email is such an easy thing to do right. that, you know, you just got to do it. And, and working in this industry too, a lot of what I know, you know, people always, how do I get into the film industry? How do I, how do I get something written or made? And it's like, you can just, you can just do it. And I think a lot of the perception of it is that, oh, it's so hard to break into. And I think that's because not a lot of people are trying, truly, truly trying to do the thing. Every, I mean, this is something what I did in getting this opportunity, which I should mention, this is the first time that this Stephen King story is ever going to be adapted. It's never been made into a movie before. So I'm the first person to ever get to take a shot at this story. Um, How exciting. It's really exciting. But that's my point is that I, it's only me because nobody else did the exact same thing that I did, exactly. which, is that, which is something that anyone could have done. Exactly. Exactly. So you have have to have desire yeah. um, and the ability to hear no and keep going mm -hmm. and um, to try something that somebody might say, well, that can't happen. Well, why not? You know, right. a little bit of shamelessness. Yeah. Maybe it can. I mean, that's how I started this, you know, that's I was writing true. a book and somebody said, you got to get your message out there right away. And I went, okay, that sounds reasonable. What do I know how to do? Oh, I know, talk. It's exactly what I thought. I said, oh, I'll have a podcast. I've never even listened to a podcast. I thought, eh, it's like a modern day radio show. And then just put it together and did it. And now yeah. I'm trying to be at least four countries. So, you know, absolutely. I'm exactly on the page that you're on. Well, this is so, so, so exciting. And I can't wait for this to get launched. Spencer Sherry, thank you for being my very special guest today on the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. Thank you very much for having me. It's so good to talk to you. Absolutely. All right. Take good care. You too, Bernadette.